What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, December 12th, 2022, and this week's episode, Judges Impact the Final Pay-Per-View of 2022. We'll talk about a wild UFC 282, great fights, great performances, but the judges definitely left their mark. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news. Bellator had quite an eventful Friday night, and the UFC had several big announcements that are expected to really impact this game going forward. And finally, we'll cap it off by talking about UFC Vegas 66 and the middleweight main event between Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. It rained last night. Look out my window. There's snow on the mountains, finally. Took us a little while here in L.A. to get snow. In the mountains, but we got some. Are you uh, are you getting rain or cold where you are? So I can officially say for Southern California, we officially passed the you can wear a t-shirt under your hoodie to now you need a thick sweater under your hoodie. Okay. Cold. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, pull out that beanie. I got you. <laughs> exactly. We've officially reached that part of the year, but um, I'm happy with it. Uh, Natalie, I want to get into everything. Let's Don't get it. me wrong. We'll ta- we can hang out for the holidays next week's episode. We have so much. UFC 282. Um, there's going to be a lot of reactions. We might even go a little bit out of timeline to hit everything. But let's just start with this main event. Just the fight. Jan Blahovich, Magomed Ankalaev. Um, by- mind you, I really loved Jan's walkout. I know that's going to be a footnote and everything. But the Skyrim music, I thought, you know, very on brand for Jan. Goes out there, Magomed, I was very impressed with his speed early. I was like, oh, you know, like, I really thought it was going to be a little bit refrigerator speed, both slower, plotting, pick their spots. I actually thought Magomed had a great output. I thought he was using his frame very well to really stay ahead of Jan on, in terms of the feet. Second and third round, though, Blahovich, those kicks, he just, he started running away with it. I'm sure, like myself, you probably thought after the third round, it looks like Magomed may not be able to really get going with much. It felt like he was probably going to be compromised, probably wasn't going to be able to finish the fight. Comes back, wrestles Blahovich down four and five. Suddenly, we have a very interesting situation. We'll talk about the judges, but what were your thoughts on the fight itself? It was a surprisingly good fight. You know, I know Dana White at the end of the of the night was pretty disappointed, said he tuned out after round three. Um, I was surprised by that because especially round one, these guys just came charging after each other and it kind of made me feel like I was in a Eastern European bar watching two dudes just fight it out. It was just very, um, a little bit raw and primal and they are just getting after it. So I was enjoying it. Um, yeah, the leg kicks round two, you know, round two and three, brutal man. And you know, commentary made a point of uh, I of showing us that basically Jan was just going shin to shin. You know, that that's hardcore, dude. And uh, when you got Magomed limping the way he was, you think about someone that tough. I mean, everyone's tough in the UFC and the MMA, but to to show the limping, you know, you try to hide that as much as you can, and he couldn't hide it but he stuck with it. His corner was really giving him strong advice, the kind of stuff you want to hear, you know, get in there, get after it. And he did rounds four and five, you know, 
did the did the wrestling that we expect from him. I kept thinking, like, how is he how is he able to hold these positions with those legs as beat up as they were? But you know, either he either adrenaline was masking the pain, or you just find that that extra gear and you just say, screw it, I, I'm going to push past this, and and he did. And so you know, I'll I'll toss it back to you for for the end <laughs> the result because obviously there's a lot to say there. But uh, I thought it was a, a good fight. I was not disappointed. And I am still, like I said, surprised for for Dana White's reaction. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Before you answer the judges' stuff, did you did you agree with Dana White? Uh, you know what? No, I will say this: Had Magomed just really gone out there and maybe more dramatically, like for example, Dracus did earlier in the night, yeah, and just gotten the finish after you thought his legs were gone, maybe I would have said it would have had a little bit more of that shock factor. But I will say there's something to be said for the fact that yeah, after the night we'd had. To just kind of end it, you know, really methodically. Just he got him down, held him down. Nothing too, quote, dramatic outside the fact that he was swinging it back slowly with the momentum, I mean. I will say, you know, it was not, in my mind, it was not anywhere near as bad as Dana made it out to be. And, um, you know, I do have some thoughts on that, but we'll talk about it. Uh, When it came to the decision, quite honestly, I, I really thought Magomed had it. I thought he had probably edged out one four and five um i do acknowledge one they're both revving up you we've seen crazier things we might be about to talk about it when we talk about the co-headliner but part of me did feel okay if we do see some weird stuff we're probably about to see them give it to jan out of nowhere but i felt yeah this should probably go to magomed i did not expect a draw i see the scores and i'm a little you know, I'll just say it. I felt like at the end of the day, we did not see a draw. We saw a Magomed victory. I am really perplexed on how we got there. I think that that's just what happens when you have the three judges. And, you know, Lorsenko talks to this, the criteria and how things are read and viewed and scored and everything. Um, sometimes I think that there's just a disconnection, not just with the broadcast to the fan base but maybe even a, a bit on the judges side and the end result I'll just say it I felt like it just kind of took away from that fight because it led to the aftermath and I just felt for Magomed and uh, Jan Blahovich too kind of felt like we didn't get resolution and yeah it just the fight was fine I thought the result just kind of was what took the win what finished popping the balloon you know what I mean yeah, I did. And you think about the last pay-per-view of the year. You think about this being a last-minute replacement for you know the one that everyone wanted to see. And so sometimes that can result in two fighters getting in there and just saying, "Screw it, we're going to put on a show." Sometimes you get you know DC versus Anderson Silva, where it's not that exciting. This was somewhere in the middle, right? You know, they were giving a good fight, a good show, um, and and yeah, Magomed, you know, could have try to finish do something in the end but like at least I don't know the extent of his leg injuries maybe that was the most he could do or maybe he was just thinking I can hold this guy down for two rounds and I know that's going to win me the fight so let me just do that you know also remember the guy's legs didn't magically heal going into round four you well, gotta think he was like, probably still tired he yeah, was probably still hurt we were we don't know how bad he was hurting and, and maybe that was all he could do but it was still enough um yeah round one is is where you would you would give it to Magomed, you know, Jan two and three. And look, 
do we know Jan Blahovich to be a man that that tells the truth all the time? That he's a man of honor? Yeah. And at the end, he's like, uh, yeah, you should give him the belt. So yeah, I appreciated his honesty. I thought that was very sportsmanlike. Does it sell fights going forward? No, but I appreciate the sentiment in the beginning. He felt like it probably got away from him late, and, you know, he spoke what was on his mind. Um, so here we have a scenario now. Let's just get right to it. Dana White and company don't like it, and they hit, they throw out that curveball. Glover Tashira, Jamal Hill, uh, January, What? when is that event? It's the 27th or something like that. I should check it. But look, essentially, they have a roughly a month, maybe a little bit of change mm-hmm. to now prepare for the vacant light heavyweight title fight. This fight that we just had essentially becomes, I don't know what else, January 21st, sorry. Mm-hmm. It, this fight now becomes what feels like a non-event. Um, yeah. I will say that felt unfair. I understand there's a bit of a reactionary response from the powers that be, like... We vacated the title, and now we still just have a vacant title. Yep. I certainly thought there was other options. That being said, I heard this thrown out, and it isn't lost on me. The January 21st card, I think there were some more expectations on who may be available come, you know, January. I will say I do think that for 75 bucks, they maybe needed just a little bit of help. Headlining with Moreno, Figueredo, four. After that, you had Gilbert Burns, Neil Magny, Andrade, Lauren Murphy. Shogun is back, Johnny Walker. I do think that for that $75 price tag, they felt like they needed another another helping of something to get it over the top. And so in that way, I do understand adding Glover. Mm-hmm. I am a little shocked at how this played out with Jamal Hill. Obviously, the video is out there. Anthony Smith pretty much finds out during a commercial break that he just lost his opponent for March. Um, what is your reaction to, I guess, the announcement and maybe the uh, just how they announced it? This is rarely happens that we get something this big, this fast, with this reason being given. Uh, yeah, I mean, what does Dana White always say in the press conferences? I don't do matchmaking, right, on the night of a fight. Yeah. So, like, like, every time. And, and no, it doesn't stop anyone from asking him, so... Uh, John Morgan got the uh, got the <laughs> got the uh, the scoop there because I think Dana White was pissed off. I mean, he looked like it, and he, you know, I don't know if he made up that matchup like on his own right then and there, or they had talked about it, you know, quickly behind the scenes, and then he came out and was willing to share that news whenever anybody asked. Um, but uh, you know, I'm actually okay with it. I think this division has sort of just seen some craziness with the belt. If you just look back thinking John Jones, DC and how, you know, he DC had to fight, uh, wasn't that, wasn't that belt like vacated or they stripped Jones once and then DC what lost. And then, you know, the, so the, they stripped Jones and, DC got it vacantly against rumble. Yeah, that's right. Then he beat, then he fought Jones and lost it, but it but got vacated again after the picogram popped. And then DC, so, this division is just crazy, man. Like, there's just a, a funny history in the last couple of years of, of this belt bouncing around, going forward, going backwards, and, and we're here again. So um, I was surprised by the news, by the speed of the news, you know, the, by the speed of the decision. But I'm actually glad. I think it's just like you rip the Band-Aid off. This is basically a, 
you know, we're we're zero zero again. Let's just give it to Glover. They should have just given it to Glover to begin with, giving him the shot against Jan. Um, but whatever they wanted, they wanted Glover to fight Magomed. Okay, fine. Uh, all that is to say, I'm glad they did this really fast. It seems a little reckless, but I, you know, it's it's what the division needs to move forward. You feel for Anthony Smith, especially finding out the way that he did. But it also kind of makes it more exciting, right? It just adds to the juiciness of the storyline. I mean, I'm not going to go out here on the air and say that, I'm, you know, Anthony Smith's loss is a, pri- you know, a price we could pay. I felt very bad for him. He's one of the nicest guys out there. Yeah. But for sure, it's like, uh, well, it, it does change it up. It does pump up the 283 now. Um, yeah, you know, in terms of the fight, uh, there are a few things. For one... Jamal was probably not going to start the serious part of camp until around January 1st. Maybe a little late Christmas. I'm not saying he is. he's just trying to blow up and then cut it all down, a la Patty Pimblett. But okay. for sure, you got to think he was not expecting to be at this part of camp this quick. So I have questions about that. He obviously has the age advantage over Glover, and he's on a roll. Glover, I mean... Obviously, he wanted a big fight. This now feels a bit of a retribution, you know, vindication for him to be in a title fight in Brazil after all this. So I'm interested. We'll obviously get into X's and O's. How is it going to play out later? But for sure, it does throw a very interesting curveball. I'll say it again. I feel bad for Jan and Magomed. That fight, like I I hear Dana White say I I was uh, zoning out after round three. That was where he was getting good. I know, exactly. I, I mean, but okay, Dana, a different opinions, okay. Um, but yeah, that's how I felt about it. Um, it makes for very interesting stuff, but um, yeah, uh, long story short, I don't think they deserved a bit of the, you know, the bucket of cold water on that fight, and it does make for some very, it's just the curveball with Glover and Jamal now, so makes for an interesting, interesting Saturday to say the least. Uh, the judges weren't done, though. Uh, the Patty Pimblett show came to Vegas, this time with a full arena against Jared Flash Gordon. Um, another great entrance. I got to say, he, he just, um, whatever it is, he does have it. He's got a good song choice. He's got a good personality. I always say it. Fans, sometimes they just kind of cheer when you come out. Some of the, I will say, with the Europeans, particularly Connor. Um, with the Brazilians, they do the chant like they do and like that ole ole, yeah, like yeah. for soccer. Mm-hmm. Patty has his own thing. They know what they cheer when Patty comes out. I always think that's really cool. In terms of the fight now, quite frankly, I, I'll just get right to the point. I thought this was a Jared Gordon fight. I thought it was a scrap. Let me make the, this clear. Mm-hmm. That was a fun fight. Yeah. Patty brought it. I thought that the size advantage really was what bailed him out. I think that yeah. Jared, all things considered, he was just struggling a little bit like AJ McKee, Spike Carlisle, mm-hmm. just to kind of put Patty down with something. It felt like he just couldn't really stun him and really run away with momentum. But I thought he was getting, he was finding his mark. He was out grappling him. Um, Patty hung with him, traded some punches back. Uh, but overall, you know, you could have made that argument. It was 3-0 Jared. Uh, Patty, if you um, gave him one of the rounds, one or, I believe two is the one a lot of people are saying. Okay, but most people felt like, hey, this should be Jared's fight. 
the judges unanimous decision we're probably thinking okay you know patty the batty only 28 years old coming up um plenty of time to grow come back get it back after it and they announced patty pimblet and people are using the word robbery which you know i think that feels a little fair after watching that fight what about you yeah a little bit look it was a good scrap and so you know at the end of it obviously obviously gordon won round three um and rounds one and two he looked he was the this more uh polished striker right patty's bigger and it's funny that all these muscles pop up you know considering the way he gains weight after and then cuts weight again um but he's like the bigger stronger looking dude but to me, Gordon was just the more polished striker, and his punches were landing. His footwork was better. Um, Pimblet is still a little bit of a winger, right? His 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 feet start sliding around. His arms come out from the sides when he's when he's punching. So there's a little bit of sloppiness there, but it was still a good fight. Um, I wasn't like, I don't know. It, it was. I felt like they were going back and forth in rounds one and two. But yes, Gordon did have the edge, and then of course round three. So it was a shock that it was a unanimous decision. Maybe if it had been a split, people would have been less upset. But it's just kind of like, what are the judges looking at? And that's what is is the most frustrating part. What I didn't like at the end in the interview when Patty wins is that he says, oh, you know, I, I knew I, round one, I won rounds one and two, so I just took it easy in round three. That's not the kind of thing you want to hear. It, it doesn't even make sense because it... It shouldn't have been clear to him that he won his rounds one and two. So I think he's just blowing smoke, right? I think he's just pretending to, to save face. Fine. But then you go to the post-fight press conference, and Dana White is mad at Jared Gordon. He's saying Jared Gordon took round three off, and he should have been the one to try and finish him. I disagree with that. It seems unfair. But, you know, we'll get into it a little bit later. You know, obviously Dana White and Patty Pimblett have a new forged friendship and so you know they're kind of have blinders on when it comes to each other and I think that's why there's a little bit of bias there in that post-fight interview um but yeah I think uh I think Jared won the fight and it's unfair like think about what a win over Patty would have done for him right it would have shown the world he's still in it he's he's still someone that you need to watch out for and so it's too bad that he didn't get the win but he does have the support of the entire MMA community, top to bottom. And so that's got to count for something. I mean, I will say, I don't know if I would say that quite all the way right this afternoon. I think that there was, um, let, let, let's say, so for, you know, we evaluated the fight. Do we have anything more to add about the fight for Patty? No. I, I will say Jared Gordon comes out of this fight moving forward. Patty more of a lateral move, I'll say, uh, after the decision. Um, <clears throat> even uh, Dana White kind of reacted to it a little bit. He had some questions about why Jared chose so much control time. Um, and, and I do see the numbers, and I'm like, okay, but I also felt like Patty wasn't really doing much in the third either, so all we do have to score is control time, yeah. which by the numbers is also going to Gordon, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, the reactions felt a little off. I get it. Patty is saying what he should. Um, what are you talking about? I won. Let's move mm-hmm. on. Of course, yeah. Okay, I get it. But still, it was like, eh, you know. You watch that one back, you probably feel like, all right, you know, I might have gotten a little lucky on this one tonight. Okay. Now, 
talking about uh the patty stuff um let's just get right to it i'll say this this may not have been the best week for mr pimblet yeah (laughs) um so on what was it tuesday i believe he does his thing with dana white and i'm not gonna rehash something that took an hour or and change if you watch both parts but he essentially goes off on ariel saying you know calls him like hey you're not really like a unbiased reporter you're more like a content creator mm-hmm. and you know really just took him to task on this ariel responded on his show with receipts like well you know patty i've supported patty never said anything bad never mentioned him or his manager by name but said that patty you know kind of pulled a 180 and was like hey you know like or actually through his manager said hey you know do you want to hang out while in you're in New York, Patty? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ariel, you know, Ariel's told, okay, go through my manager. Ariel says that was surprising. Uh, goes to Patty's manager, Graham Boylan, of uh, also runs Cage Warriors in the UK, and essentially gets uh, responded to with, hey, you know, Patty's got these paid obligations. Can you guys put a budget together? Um, for people who don't know the lingo, for when people are told like hey is there a budget it's to say hey this is like a tv show the way you pay actors we have a hundred hypothetically a hundred thousand to make this tv show we need to use fifty thousand on you know cameras directors sets etc then we have the other fifty thousand for cast and crew when someone says do you have a budget it is to say hey Do you have some money to pay for the work we are putting in now? Uh Now, I'm going to acknowledge this right now. Fighters and interviews, this is a part of the job. And I know people are going to say, well, your job is to fight, right? That is what you're paid for. Several fighters have said this. Uh In every job, whether it be a part-time work, full-time work, I don't know any job that is necessarily just, quote, that that thing on the title if you work out of business guess what sometimes you have to clean up a spill right if you have work in the office it's not just about meetings you have a lot of paperwork that's probably still on you to file yourself Uh doing interviews is part of a fighter's job besides fighting now i do understand this notion of it's work you should be paid for your work you should be paid for your time for the public that may be wondering why is necessarily Patty or Graham in the wrong. To say you are now exchanging money for interviews creates a slippery slope. And what I mean by that, let's say Fighter X is in hot water. Maybe they're... Look, let's throw some out there. Like the Daniel Kinahan with the Tommy Fury. Like, hey, we saw you with Daniel Kinahan and all that. All right, let's say I pay you, Natalie, 10 grand. Let's just mm-hmm. throw this number. Yeah. Interview. You know, you come on my show. Hey, Natalie, how are you? Uh, Natalie, um, obviously, you know, the fight got canceled. Recently, we've seen photos come out of you with Kinahan. Um, Can we, uh, you know, what exactly is your relationship? You hit me with, I'm sorry, you know, I can't talk about that. If the camera's rolling, what do you think I say to you? Uh, I paid you to talk about it. uh, Hey, cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just paid for this. Um, you're about to start talking. 
Like, I want what I paid for. Yeah. And now, mind you, what happens? This is, uh, I'm not saying every fighter everywhere will have this situation, but I think you understand the slippery slope of exchanging money for these things. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, it becomes very complicated. So, while I do understand the notion that Patty and manager brought up, I think the fact that the receipts were brought out really does tell you why and how this kind of got ugly. Couple that, people really didn't like the way Patty, he was throwing out some things that were really pushing it um, against Ilya Tapuria in terms of, um, I'll say, uh, etiquette, mm. you know, at the press conference on Thursday. Couple that with the way that decision played out. I mean, this was a rough week. What else can we say? Yeah, it was a unexpected turn for the, you know, in the in the story of Patty Pimblett, right? This humble um, British, uh, you know, blue collar dude from uh, now I can't remember where they're from. Liverpool. What's, Liverpool. Thank you. <laughs> that accent is just unmistakable. And like, you know, can I tell you? The first time I found out about Patty Pimblett is through, of course, Ariel Helwani, right? He has a knack for sort of pushing special fighters to the forefront that haven't quite, you know, developed. A, they're not star, stars yet, but he sees it and he, you know, he sort of starts giving them attention before anyone else does. That's how most of us found out who Patty Pimlet was, at least, you know, stateside. And so I was shocked to, to learn about this conflict between the two of them. But I, I dutifully watched, you know, Helwani's response hour and a half uh, hour and change worth of, of receipts and um, laying the cards on the table. You know, we've already seen what he did, what he did with Brendan Schaub. And uh, I can't remember the, the kid's name, Brian Campbell. No, Brian uh, Campbell. Yeah. No, 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 not Brian Campbell. Is it Brian Campbell? The, oh. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause the he does the show. Guy, the fighter and the kid. Uh... Yeah. I, thought, anyway, uh, I know who you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've seen that, and, and, and that was the first time, you know, post ESPN, where you really see Ariel Helwani, uh, you know, take off the gloves and just get after someone with full scrutiny and no fear. And he wasn't about to let Patty Pimblett, you know, get away with it. You know, I wonder if Patty had just been speaking to the camera on his show, saying these things, if Ariel would have reacted the same. But because it was a sit-down interview with Dana White and the both of them were just... It's basically like, you know, two dudes in a room, you know, uh, ragging on somebody. But except this is, you know, being recorded and blasted all over the internet. It was kind of a low blow, I thought. Ariel responds to the receipts. Okay, now we got some... We got some conflict. We have some juiciness here. I didn't know how this was going to resolve itself. I don't think it has entirely, but clearly it was still on Patty Pimblett's mind after he got that decision from the judges because the first thing he said to Joe Rogan is, uh, are you going to pay me for this interview? Uh, either Joe Rogan didn't know about the backstory or he didn't want to get involved, but he ignored the, <laughs> he ignored the question. Um, I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of, of these two guys going after each other, but clearly... Patty's doing something that no other MMA fighter is doing right now. And, you know, when you think about celebrities going on press tours to, uh, to, to promote a movie or professional players in the NFL or the MLB or the NBA, you know, they give their time to the media because they're being paid handsomely to play their sport and do these other things that are part of the job. Like you said, 
the UFC fighters, MMA fighters, are getting paid not even enough to fight, right? And then they're expected to do all these other things. So you got Patty's manager out there trying to get some money for him. I don't like it, and I don't think it's it's the right thing to do, the right way to handle it. But I think that's the reasoning they're using to try and, and start charging people for Patty's time. But the real issue is you're not getting paid enough as a fighter. Don't put it on the media to pay you for interviews. You got to put it on your promoter to pay you more. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, um, I, I will say I just feel like it it was a move. It felt a little unprompted. I'll say that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't that Ariel had said something before the fight. Patty kind of was the one who got the ball rolling and everything else was a reaction to it. It, it just kind of, may I just say, I, like I said, I like watching the Patty show. This one, when you look back at it, kind of backfired on him. Mm-hmm. And look, like you said, there's a lot of things we could talk about, the Dana aspect and all this. But I, I, I do think that this is, um, yeah, it, I don't know that people kind of felt the love for Patty this week compared to they did last week. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think um, I'll also say this. They kind of just kept it going themselves. Uh, Ariel accepts, mind you, the 13th straight um, Journalist of the Year Award at MMA Awards. Yeah. What's the first thing Ariel says during his speech? Not bad for a content creator. <laughs> first guy. thing first thing Patty says after the, he wins, how much are you... Oh, my. It's like, clearly you guys are still thinking about each other. Yeah, I yeah, think that's pretty. about it. <laughs> I think that's a little fair. <laughs> yep. Don't get me wrong. I get why they're saying it, clearly, but, you know, I kind of felt like you guys just... Y'all got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But look, okay, I'll leave it at that. Clearly, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes I think they got to address. But yeah, when they took it public, it did add an element to the reaction to especially Patty. I'll mm-hmm. say it like that. Um, let's talk some results. We got a lot of news to get through. Um, Dracus and Darren, fight of the night. Um, thought he had him early. Uh, Darren rallied. Dracus comes back, gets that finish, and I think that Darren just kind of, I think he ran out of juice too, and I think when he saw him, felt himself land, he was just like, you know what, no, this is about to, I'm about to really get hurt. He did speak to having hurt his uh, ACL or MCL, I believe, after the fight on IG, but essentially, you know, it, he kind of pulled himself, Dracus got the submission pretty quickly in the third after he got him down. Just a great performance. What about mm-hmm. you? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we were waiting for Darren Chill to come back, waiting for that comeback. And the way he's talking, it felt like maybe this was going to be it. You know, prior to the fight, he's he's rolling with, with Kamzat, and there's just this energy building. Uh, but it wasn't to be, and it could, it could just, you know, he himself has said, I'm going to take a break from the UFC. I'm not saying I'm retiring, but I clearly need to figure some stuff out. But, you know, he's already been taking breaks due to injuries and so he's young but he's not that young and you know we'll see what the future holds for Darren Till but sometimes you know with all the hype and all the skills and all the trajectory behind you it just sometimes things just don't work out the way you expect them to and that's what it seems to be happening to Darren Till but but good finish for Duplacis that was that was good man come from behind you know second round and uh and get the win 
Darren Till is still a big name, even though he's not very active and not very successful in the cage these days. Still a big name, so it's a good win for him to play season. No, for sure. And I think there's a lot of love to see Darren back. Um, I don't know how I felt about the Andrew Tate walkout music. That was a little... Um, <clears throat> if you know anything about Andrew Tate, I felt like that was uh, playing with fire in terms of your public image. But okay, Darren, you want to get people talking. Um I mean, Sweet Caroline was right there. He's been waiting to get in front of fans. I don't know what happened. I'm so but... tired of hearing that song. <laughs> I mean, he keeps doing the the no music. He keeps doing no music because he's had no fans the last two. It's like, oh, Darren, I was so ready, man. <laughs> Even Chris Curtis has played more Sweet Caroline than Darren. That's now. funny. Anyway, um, by the way, great win for Chris Curtis. That was a great finish of Buckley on the prelims. Um Duplessis, Duplessis, uh, he did call for Paulo Costa if the fight with Whitaker falls apart. It looks like even Costa said he hasn't signed paperwork for Whitaker yet in February. Um, interested to see how that plays out. Um, Raul, no, sorry, Iliad Puria. Man, what a performance against Bryce Mitchell. I think a lot of people kind of figured, okay, like, if Bryce, if Ilya starts getting too close and too comfortable in that pocket, that Bryce, with that size and that build of his, might just be able to wrap him up and drag him down and do what Bryce Mitchell does when he's grappling. That was a brilliant performance from Ilya. Broke Bryce down, outgrappled him, and just for that extra style points, submits Bryce Mitchell for the win. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, it was surprising, man. Uh, you know, good win for Ilya. Bryce Mitchell is one of the darlings of the UFC with his, you know, his honesty and his his charm and all that stuff. And so he was on a little bit of a upward trend here. It's a setback. It's not a big one, but you know, Bryce Mitchell is the kind of guy that's just gonna go back to the farm and, and get better and get stronger. But go win for Tapuria. That's uh, that's gonna that's gonna have an impact on whoever he fights next. I think he's gonna start getting up uh, some bigger challenges now. Yeah, he did say that he was looking for, um, what's it called, Brian Ortega, when oh, Brian gets back next year. Yeah, one. which makes sense. Everyone else above Ilya, I mean, the big five are all wrapped up. Um, Josh, Arnold, well, Josh, Yair, Volk, we don't know where's Max, and Arnold Allen just fought. So I like that for Ilya. I think that was mm -hmm. a good call out. Uh, finally, now 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. goes out there and subs Jay Perrin. Um, we don't talk too much Contender Series results just because of when our show falls on, but this kid really brought it. I was really impressed, and I always felt like his size and athleticism was probably going to carry him past Perrin, but to watch it happen, I, I think he owned the moment really well. I think that he knows he's getting that love from UFC, similar to... Uh, Oh my gosh, Bo Nickel, who's that guy? Joe Pfeiffer. Oh. I mean, those three, Raul, Bo, Pfeiffer. He knows that he's getting the love this year from Contender, and he really just capitalized on it. I thought it was a great win. It was a great win. So fast, so athletic. You know, he muscled pairing a little bit, but there was a lot of skill behind that too. And he seemed like... I think some one of the commentators mentioned it, but his his legs, like his shins, they almost seem flexible. Like they almost look like they're bending around Perrin. He's he's got an interesting physique that's gonna you know prove difficult for for um, future opponents. And yeah, very composed on the mic. 
knew exactly what he was going to say, you know, asked for his 50 G's, the charming um, call out to, you know, want to buy his mom a, a minivan. Like these are things that warm everyone's hearts and you just want to root for the guy. So a little bit of humble pie for Jay Perrin right after the, the interview where he's talking about, I want to be Santa Claus, you know, when, mm -hmm. when they tell him that Raul Rosas Jr. wants to uh, be the youngest uh, UFC fighter uh, champion. But Jay Perrin, he he ate it well, man. He he repeatedly went up to him, gave him a hug, apologized. Like that's what you have to do when you put your foot in your mouth. Not that he didn't put his foot in his mouth, man. They're you know they're getting ready for a fight. They gotta yep. they gotta talk, right? But all you can do when you get when you get beat is say, all right, you did a good job, and, and get back to the drawing board. So I was pleased with that reaction from Perrin. But Rosas Jr. is uh is is someone that I think everyone's really excited about what we're gonna see next year. I hope they don't push him too fast. You know, I'm thinking Sage Northcutt. I'm thinking, um, what's the other one? I'm I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. Give me a, give me a. Macy Barber. No, 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 no. The guy, the guy who who was said, I'm hungry. Feed me CM Punk. Oh, um, Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall, right? I'm just thinking back in the old days when they pushed oh, these yeah. guys a little bit too fast, too hard. Raul seems special. He's young. He's smart. Like, let's take our time with him. Yeah, it's very rare that you get a guy clearly meant to be on the developmental path, mm -hmm. right? In UFC, usually it's like, hey, who's pretty much ready? Who Who's kind of over the halfway point in terms of cooking into a souffle? Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see. I did. I'll just say it. I got a real kick out of it. I asked him at the post fight. Raul, uh, you know, it's like, why do you need to buy your mom a minivan? You're old enough to drive yourself. And he admitted he does not have his driver's license yet. Wow. He did try to tell me that he can drive, but he didn't sound too confident, if I'm being quite honest. But I was like, okay. Um, Dude, who drives him to practice? His mom. Wow. Which, can you imagine? It's like, picking up, it's like, all right, you know, remember, work hard, hit those pads. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> mijo, I'll see you after practice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I that's mean, beautiful man that's good that's, yeah god bless him he'll get yep. older soon enough but <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts right yeah. it's cute but yeah um i got a kick out of that yeah look like i said um chris curtis tj brown cameron simon good finishes on the prelims good it, it was a good night of fights i think that even through the main event like i said decisions aside those are everyone just scrapped Everyone just scrapped and brought it on Saturday. Yeah, I was yeah. here for it, so I, I enjoyed it. Um, we do have some other news. Uh, Bellator, real quick. You probably saw the results. We're not going to go over more fights, but Rafion Stotts beats Danny Sabatello. To, now there, it's the final. I bring this up. If you didn't know any better, you would think this is the Grand Prix final. I feel like yeah. they pushed Stotts Sabatello everywhere that they could i and i do appreciate it they were trying to get we keep saying y'all gotta do something i admit i saw the effort with trying to promote this fight with maybe two guys that people weren't exactly familiar with going into this year right mm -hmm. not for nothing most people thought sabatella won the fight the judge who gave him 50 to 45 no one gave him all five rounds i'll just say that was the same judge that also scored it for patty on Saturday, so there was mm -hmm. a little bit of a question there. Oh yeah, ask Luke Thomas about that. <laughs> oh yeah, he's pretty pissed about it. Uh, Patchy Mix sub Magomed Magomedov nasty choke. I mean, really, like 
send you to the shadow realm slowly. That was one. Mm-hmm. And Liz Carmouche submits Juliana Velasquez. Remember, she was pretty much losing that first fight. Controversial finish. She comes back and really just gives her the business. Gets that submission early. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your reactions to everything? Yeah, especially Liz, Liz Carmouche because she got a lot of heat. For, for the way that other fight and finished and you know the ref stepping in and Juliana saying she wasn't done not by a long shot so Liz Carmouche was like okay <laughs> I'm gonna take my my belt and put it on the mat over here while I practice submitting you over and over again in my mind and then I'm gonna do it when uh when you know push comes to show so I'm happy for Liz Carmouche to get that it's kind of like Aljamain Sterling Piotr Jan right the controversy of the first fight come back the second fight, show everybody like, no, I, I really am good and I really can beat this person. So there you go. So that's that's good for her. Now we're going to rubber match, I hope. A rubber match, I hope. Um, because that's just kind of the perfect setup for it. Uh, I, I yeah, feel so. like they got to do a Lima Liz now. They've been teasing it, talking. Yeah. I know, I get it, but let's just get it out of the way. Last fight for a Lima, let's go. That's a good one, except... It's a good one, and Alima wants it, and as she says, Liz wants it too. So there's no there's no beef there. It's just friendly, you know, competition. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's a good one. Put it in Hawaii too. I know. I know. Iliar Joani got a good one on Killholtz. Obviously, there's other girls at flyweight, but yeah, for my money, um, Stotts and Mix. That's, that'll be a good fight too next year. I hope they give it the love again because they deserve it. They're both on a good run here. Um, UFC announced last week uh, returning to London for 286 in March. I believe that might be like March 17. It's two weeks after the the first March pay-per-view. I'll pull it up for you. But essentially, the expectation is that Leon Edwards has the rubber match with Kamaru Usman. You're going to have two pay-per-views three weeks apart, Natalie. How stacked does this need to be in order for them both to be successful? Because I'll say this. If they do indeed pull off Nganu versus John Jones, that fight doesn't need an undercard. You know what I mean? Of course not. Yeah. Usman Edwards 3, yes it does. Yeah. If they get Nganu Jones, you're right. It's like one of those, uh, we say this, like a boxing fight, uh, you know, a big one where you're just paying for the main event and everyone else can fight while you drink your you know, your chips and your soda and eat your pizza and your beer when you're watching at home, right? Uh, that's what Nganu Jones is. And so if they're already telling us there's going to be pay-per-view three weeks apart, you can just safely assume that's going to be the, the matchup in March. Uh, Leon, Kamaru, yeah, you need you need something beefy. So they have to really sit at the table and, and yeah, ask, you, ask themselves, do we put all our, our best fights under Edwards Usman? to beef up that card and sort of, you know, give a uh, second, uh, second, second helpings to Nganu Jones because they don't need it. That's probably the smart move. That's probably the smart move. And uh, although I think about Edwards and Usman in London, like that's a great place for that match, but it's also a lot of stress, a lot of pressure on Leon Edwards. So that's going to be a heck of a fight too. But yeah, I think you're right. They got to stack uh, 285. Yeah, well, I mean, 286, you mean I'm sorry, London. 286, yeah. Yeah, you're good. I mean, I did see it just, it looks like they are going toward Sterling and Henry Cejudo um, for 285, which real quick, I mean, Henry Cejudo, all right, it's not his featherweight title shot he wanted. I don't think many people expected him to actually get a title fight right off the bat. It kind of felt like they were just, it just didn't feel like that relationship was that good. 
Clearly they knew something we didn't the whole time, so I'm gonna acknowledge that, but you're doubleheading Jones and Ganu with uh, Sterling Cejudo. Okay, London, either you're doing Hamzat Colby or Hamzat Bilal, Muhammad. All right, co-main event, Darren Till probably not gonna be there. If you could tell Patty Pimblet not to gain 50 pounds, keep it at 20, <laughs> maybe. He also said he hurt his ankle on Saturday, so yeah. I don't want to... Alright, so you're going to put Molly McCann out there. Paul Craig is already fighting January. That's a quick turnaround. I think they're going to need to think outside the box for the UK. Okay, I'll give you this one. Triple header. So, uh, Usman Edwards 3. Let's say, just in case, Hamzat versus Bilal Muhammad. Arnold Allen, Max Holloway. That's a good one. We could ride 75 bucks with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, 75 that, I think so you much. could. Do, I know. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Hamzad and Max on top of Usman Edwards, we could roll with that. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Especially if you're like, okay, you're going to get people. Everyone's already going to pay for Jones and Ganu. Easy. Right. I think you could do that. I think that's that's that should be the play. I'll, I'll call it like that. Okay. There we go. Send your tweet to uh to uh Chantel Lee. Oh man, I don't have to tweet him. He just uh, calls my phone every week. That's Gabriel, right. That's right. Your for, ideas. for your weekly check-ins, yeah. For real, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Honestly, I think it was just really good. You know. Yeah. But yeah, um, on top of that, uh, let's see what else we got. I mean, let's um. Oh, by the way, resurgent champions. I w- I want to acknowledge on Liz Carmouche. Mm-hmm. Most people probably thought, okay, you got dominated, probably, you know, comes back, handles business. Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan, wasn't going his way in the first, comes back, really handles it in the second. Mm-hmm. Vadim Nemkov, Corey Anderson. Yeah. This is, I got to acknowledge, some really tough champions making adjustments. I was, yeah. I, I really appreciate it. It just goes to show that's why they fight the fights. So yep. I really like this. Um, oh, let's get into this one. Oh, yeah? boy. Okay. All right. James Krause. UFC essentially said it. They are banning not all James, one James Krause, but two, all of his fighters and fighters who train at his gyms. Now, if you've been listening, we didn't have a show last week. I apologize. So we are late to discuss this. But long story short, because I know you guys are all familiar with it. Um, UFC said if you are associated with James Krause, because there is suspicion about potential fight fixing, we you will not be allowed to participate. For fighters, that means you are not allowed to fight. I believe, technically speaking, also corner teammates and other, you know, your friends who may not necessarily be glory MMA fighters themselves. Okay. Um, recently, uh, this week, James, it was announced that James Krause was selling his uh, stock in glory MMA and its affiliates. To somebody else so i take that to assume not only is he physically removing himself from the location but also you know doing his steps to legally okay i'm this is like i sold the building i sold the gym it's still a gym but i am no longer officially associated i'm sure there's going to be some investigation to say hey you're not just still popping in and out just, even though your name's not on the door but for sure, this has been the most v- visceral 
reaction I think that we've seen in a long time. I mean, we've never heard of this when coaches or anything else, bad calls. You know, you think about the Joshua Fabia with Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Banning a whole coach over anything has really never happened. So what was your reaction to this? I'm shocked. I'm confused Like that UFC has... The ability to do it—it's um, unfair to the fighters. Why are they being punished for, you know, James Krause's James Krause's actions? I don't—it just doesn't seem fair to punish them and the gym. And like, what kind of like the the overreach here seems pretty huge by the UFC, but they must be feeling major pressure from the. The government, I don't know, the powers that be involved in the gambling world, which are pretty mighty. Um, they must be feeling a lot of pressure, and that's why they're just basically torching anything associated with James Krause. Um, because they want to be able to say, like, look, we're, we're not doing business with him, and so, you know, whatever he's done is not is not tied to the UFC, but... It's you know I think I'm just confused by it all the the gambling world and and the rules. This just seems crazy to me. First for James Krause to be you know being taken apart like this, and then is it fair that just specifically him is this is this fair that that that's happening to him? Was he doing anything illegal? Was he actually doing anything illegal before you know? anything illegal as far as the government goes you know the usc came down with this you can't bet on fights thing a month or so ago but you know i'm not clear on all of this stuff it's really really strange to me and it's a it's a big hammer the ufc is throwing down um i don't know man maybe you got to educate me a little bit like why are the fighters being banned from being coached by him what are they afraid he's going to do at this point i think there's just this idea that there's the essentially you're with a person who has been known to specifically share information that has affected uh, the gambling sites. Right. Because Dana White, I'm sure you might have seen the clip, a lot of listeners probably have. He said, you know, if you're caught of this, are you like suspended for six months? And Dana White says very strongly, you don't understand. When you are accused of this, if you are found guilty, you are going to federal prison. You're not just oh, I had a tainted supplements, I'm out six months. Right. It's very, you know, he really made it clear the severity of the allegations. On top of that, I think that for Glory, I think that there's just this idea that like, hey, you know, uh, they are trying to make a statement, specifically, we can't trust your house. Because it's not just necessarily at Glory, but sending a message to the others, yeah. right? I heard this number thrown out on Ariel's show about, I believe it was seven figures is the number, is the amount that DraftKings has in UFC. Okay. You know how many zeros is that? You know how many millions that is? This isn't a chunk of change. This yeah. isn't like, oh, well, we got a different whiskey sponsor on the canvas. This yeah. is, I mean, I, I think fans need to remember this. The UFC produces gambling content, not DraftKings. The UFC has gambling shows on Fight Pass talking about how to bet on fights that they are holding. Mm-hmm. Every fight, the odds on all this. Um, yeah. I saw this during Orlando, I believe. 
John Anik is doing this said, if you had guessed the last six fights correctly in a parlay and bet 50 bucks, you would have gotten like 40,000. I'm like, there is so much money in the gambling, in the sports betting, that it does not surprise me that if they are angry, specifically if they are severely angry, they are telling UFC, either you take action or we're pulling this. Yep, yep. This is... The amount of money being put in, this is a this is prime real estate that they are losing out on yeah. if they lose the a DraftKings potentially. Now, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think the message is being sent, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest with you. That being said, it's because there was a lot of money. People bet a lot of money on the Derek Minner fight. They weren't betting no ten bucks. It wasn't three guys, twenty mm-hmm. bucks, we won it. Big money was rolling in, enough that it did flag the powers that be that there was something going on in the minor fight and now james krause's reputation obviously you know with the sports betting it's no coincidence i think um clearly we and we had this discussion is it you know is it difficult to imagine if you knew he was hurt to potentially tell people hey just i know we were trying to make some money he's got a bad knee it's probably going to go out quickly if you want to feel mm-hmm. confident putting your money down it's not that hard now look this these are all still allegations there's still an investigation i'm sure more is about to happen but clearly there's so much money involved that that is why the hammer is being swung so uh, strongly tj brown who has worked at glory mma he didn't speak a lot on it he did say how much james Krause has helped the fighters I think that is why James Krause has so quickly sold his stock in glory. He doesn't want anyone affected. Uh And I've heard good things about him as a coach. Everyone who I've talked to works with him as a coach speaks to how much, not just community in Kansas City, but just like that house and him being the leader of it. That being said, TJ did acknowledge, oh, it is really stressful over there in glory right now. Like, we don't know. We don't know essentially what's going to happen Essentially implying we don't know if what James Krause, by removing himself, is going to be enough to allow us to fight again. Because I guess, uh, here's the thing, Brandon Moreno, there are 20 gyms right now. They would not, if Brandon Moreno, unprompted, didn't even let, give him a heads up, uh-huh. showed up at the front door this morning saying, I'm looking for a gym. Promise you, they would welcome him with open arms. Yeah. yeah. Un- uninvited, come on in, Brandon. Of course you can. We'll take care of you. Not everyone has that flexibility. This is a big gym with a great coach that not everyone has that financial ability to just, hey, you know, let me let me start commuting all the way down to, you know, Colorado or Florida or California, take time away from my family for a training camp. Yeah. And that really, this now affects those fighters, you know, your Jeff Molinas, other people like that who don't travel into Kansas City, but actually live in the area specifically for the training. It's crazy, man, the the um, fallout from this for, yeah, for all these folks that aren't Brandon Moreno and James Krause, too. I mean, he's got a family. What's this going to mean for him? And I hope he doesn't have to go to jail. But, I mean, he was basically running like a like a gambling ring, right? He had like a cohort and, and they would they would pay him for gambling tips, I think is, is, is what was going on. Um, or part of at least what was going on. And so I don't know, man, it it is a crazy thing 
um, you know, there's video of him explaining his his gambling, uh, you know, game, I guess, to, to Ariel Helwani, and it's like he just spilled the beans. So I'm curious why it took so long for everyone to get pissed off because it wasn't a secret, right? Um, it, I guess this Derek Minner thing, they took it too far. Um, I don't know. But anyway, it seems like a mega mess. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I don't know, James Krause, what he's going to look like on the other end of this. I mean, we, we talked about it. They were always going to make a statement. But, mm-hmm. oh, man, it, the more I think about it, it's just like, this is just not good. Yeah, I know. That's why it's just like, oh, gosh, this like, this. They're going to go back and scrutinize everything he's done, probably. Um, you know, if this gets turned into a, a, a legal, you know, getting the police involved thing, which seems like it might be, this could turn into a huge, huge disaster for him. Yeah. Not for sure. I, I'm completely with you there. Um, I mean, anyway. <laughs> no, it, truly, like, look, it's still developing. We'll get to it. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot. We talked about Sterling and Cejudo. We've talked everything 282, London, Bellator. Can you believe it? Final UFC event of the year, Natalie. I can't. I cannot believe we're here. Yeah, I mean, okay, technically speaking, um, there's no more one. There's no more PFL. UFC this week and Bellator Ryzen um, on New Year's Eve. And that's it for MMA for 2022. I mean, I'm just, I'm not gonna lie. It kind of snuck up on me. We've had so much. It's like, wait, that, that, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, it is in the books. A great year. Um, so let's just get right into it. I know we're running towards the end of our show. Jared Cannonier, Sean Strickland, both coming off losses. Cannonier decision to Israel Adesanya snapped his great win streak. Alex, sorry, Alex Pereira obviously got Sean Strickland on the same night. Both of them looking to rally back. Both of them probably aware that things are a little different with uh, with Pereira as champion. Maybe more so for Jared than for Sean. This stylistically is very interesting. Sean Strickland, lad personality, but very subtle, subtly just brilliant in his game mm. just uh l- kind of like a he's like a middleweight diaz brother everything is just about volume movement not really known for being a home run hitter but he's so consistent tough and uh very just well conditioned he's fought several five rounders now and you know he's looked all right jared cannonier obviously the explosiveness obviously just uh his uh physical stature is a lot to deal with particularly if he gets you down and gets on top of you and of course just the power he brings in those early rounds makes for a very interesting fight obviously both of them really want to get back in the win column what are your thoughts yeah this is back in the win column yeah sean strickland kind of bozo bozo move there against uh Pereira walking right up to him but i kind of respect the move you know to just say like ah screw it i'm just gonna I'm just going to go forward and see what happens. I know I'm good and, and I know he's good and uh, let's see who lands first. Right. So it was, it was not the best game plan, but I enjoy that kind of berserker mindset a little bit. It makes for good fights. 
So I'm curious to see how he reframes himself, resets himself for this fight. Is he going to, you know, try and, and show everyone that he can beat somebody when he charges at them? Or is he going to be a little bit more composed? Cannoneer is usually composed, steady, you know, reliable old cannoneer. Um, but he can be a killer when he strikes hard and fast. So it's a good matchup, man. I, I think this is a... I don't remember when did Sean Strickland lose to Pereira. It wasn't that long ago, so it's a... It was the same to... night in January. Or not January, yeah, July. July. Oh, okay. It was longer ago than I remembered. All right. So, yeah, it's not it's not a fast turnaround by any means. Um, yeah, so it's it's a it's a solid last UFC main event. It's it's good. It's good. I mean, let's just talk about this. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing to me is going to be how does uh, Sean Strickland try to neutralize a guy like Jared? I think that being too patient, the risk that starts to happen is that Jared's cardio and gas tank, it just lasts longer. If you're fighting at Jared's pace, if you're trying to not get into the pocket with him, what that means is you're going to be trading one shot, two shots, that favors a guy like Jared. His cardio lasts longer, well-conditioned. The power is there, um, particularly with Sean, who's not known for, you know, putting guys down like Nganu. I think that Sean really has to come forward, make him work. Really got to, uh, honestly, just has to execute great shot selection. You know, high volume, move out of the way for the counters. Really show that you learn from the Pereira fight, if I'm being honest. And I think that he does have a game that could start to run away with it if he executes it perfectly. Now, for Jared Cannonier, start talking about working the legs and body a little bit, make him a more stationary target. Then you really start to talk about being able to land that heavy damage with less, um, less difficulty. And I think that that's really what people are expecting to see in this fight. Jared's been so consistent in his career since he came down to middleweight. Um... Only lost to guys like Whitaker and Adesanya, who, you know, not for nothing, you could still argue are the two best guys at middleweight in the world. So I think that that's really going to be the real key. Who executes their particular game plan better? I think more so than maybe the physical attributes are going to take place in this one. So, yeah, I think it makes for fun. Um, I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to go Cannoneer. I, I think he's just going to get Sean down and uh, kind of similar to Dracus on Darren, except he's going to finish the job when the first, not necessarily first round, but he's going to get him in a bad position and he's just going to do the damage until he gets the ref to call it. What about you? Um, oh, second round. Second round. Yeah, I actually agree as far as Cannoneer winning. I think he's just the more, you know, mentally... Uh aware, experienced fighter, he's going to just be able to stay more composed so that no matter what strategy Sean Strickland brings, he's going to be able to take his time and find an opening. And I do think he's going to finish him too, TKO. I like round two. Let's let's go with that. All right. Well, there we go. We have it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have only one more podcast for 2022. Next week, it will be our Christmas episode Obviously, very exciting to see who we have and what gifts we hypothetically will give to the stars of MMA. We'll recap the final UFC event of the year. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of Bellator coming up since we'll be off. And then we'll be back in the new year. But yeah, one more show next week. We'll be back to recap all of the action. Until then, take care. Have a good one.